USA, um, I've watched um, during the summer, I was watching a lot of the, the um, other churches and with the worship services that they had. I want to tell you that our worship team and sound team and audiovisual team are as good as anybody. I'm pretty sure of, of all that you're doing. I think we should just say thank you to them. Very proud, very proud. Well, this morning we're going to be finishing up a little bit, not finishing up, but getting into 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we've been going through this book, and I'm going to just tell you, I titled this message on earth as it is in heaven, and that's just something that's always stuck out to me, especially in the world that we're living in, and honestly, this week, I think one thing you could agree with with me about is you saw the difference uh, about what's going on in Afghanistan. Um from the way of life we have here that I would argue is because of Judeo-Christian values um, compared to the way of life of what's about to come on them right now. And sometimes when we take part in Lent right before Easter and we fast, one of the things that I think we should be mindful of is that when we are fasting, we are doing without. And the reason we're doing without is because We are actually identifying with our Christian brothers and sisters who are all over the world that are not in a place like we are, and they are not allowed to worship. Um, It's ironic, isn't it? Because, you know, I've been watching a lot of YouTube TV. I'm just at that point where I'm just getting so depressed. There's nothing on TV that I want to see, so I've just been watching YouTube, and our, our TV will pick it up, and I've just actually gotten addicted to it, actually. And I've been watching these guys, they're, they, I think they're based out of Georgia, they're called Sidestep Adventures, I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about, but you should look them up, they go and look at graves, they look at houses, they look at all of the things that are abandoned, and one of the things that was abandoned was a nice church, and it's for sale, it was a United Methodist Church, it's an old church, I think it was 160 years old is what they were saying. And what stood out to me is when the people left the church, they actually left like the decorations. They left all of that stuff inside the church. They had some of the drawings down in the basement where the kids had drawn pictures of the Bible stories that they heard, and they were pinned to the walls, and the church is just literally abandoned. And I just thought how sad of a contrast that is because um, the, the Christians in Afghanistan right now what would they give to be able to worship like we do? What would they give to be able to live on earth as it is in heaven, as we have the opportunity to? I think that's something that Christians ought to reevaluate. The gift that we've been given by God to be able to worship him freely. Um, it makes all of these petty things that we struggle with in our lives, it makes it just kind of go by the wayside, especially when you see people falling off of an airplane um, because of the oppressiveness of the religion that's going to dominate them, the radicalness of what's going to dominate that country. We should be very thankful for what God has done for us. Uh, now, whether or not we show it, that's up to us, right? Like the song sang, uh, why, don't you, why doesn't somebody do something? The Lord said, I did, I created you. Um, the worship comes from us. But thinking along those lines this morning, uh, on earth as it is in heaven, 
I remember when I was a kid, I think I was 12 or 13, and I keep giving you all my personal stories just so that you can understand that not everybody, you know, grew up in church. Um, not everybody sees things the way we are used to seeing them. And up in Indiana, we had a Christian church. And what this was, it was an autonomous church, much like the Baptists are. Baptists are an association. They're really, they're, they're, they're associated with each other, but they're also autonomous in their government. And they have their own bylaws in each church. And each church is its own government to itself although they are associated. So it's not as a denomination like what we are, where we have articles of religion that unite us, one Wesleyan church with another, but they are associated. And so in Indiana, the Christian church, which is why I thought they were the only ones who were right, because it was the word Christian, the Christian church was autonomous. And one of the things that stood out to me was that when I was a kid, I remember watching the preacher um, preaching all the time. And I remember thinking, I wish I could be good like he's talking about. And I wish that I was right with the Lord. But then, see, in the Christian church in Indiana, the, the moment of salvation was when we would come up and get baptized in the baptismal right behind the pulpit. And I, I remember as a kid, I was like, I want to go to heaven, but there's no way I'm going to walk up in front of all these people and say that I need to be uh, baptized as if I've done something wrong because I didn't understand what I was doing. You, you know what I'm saying? And so I remember thinking that the only way I was going to ever get to take communion, because it used to go by every week, is I had to walk up and get baptized in front of everybody. And so that was my idea of what salvation was, I guess, if I understood the term. I knew that the only way I was going to go to heaven, according to what they were teaching, was that I had to be baptized. Well, along came when I turned 12, 13 years old, along came a friend of mine. He was telling me about he got saved one night. And I was like, I didn't even know what he was talking about. And I said, what are you talking about? Because, I mean, that's an intriguing comment when somebody says they've been saved. I said, what are you meaning when you've been saved? And he tried to explain it to me. And I kept thinking, no, that can't be right because you have to go up and get in the baptismal and you have to get wet to be saved. And so it just took a while. He was sharing that with me. But the thing that was interesting about him is that he was so mean to people all the time. In fact, you might think he was a bully. He was a bully to a lot of people, and he was somebody that was treat people poorly. Um, he did all the things that you shouldn't do. And I remember trying to understand what he meant when he said he was saved because uh, uh, the way he was explaining it to me, all you had to do was sit around this campfire with a bunch of other kids, and you prayed this prayer, and everything that you ever struggled with in your life was all taken care of, like the struggle of me wondering, will I ever be able to walk down that aisle in front of everybody and get up in the baptismal so that I can go to heaven? Because I want to go to heaven, right? Can I ever do that? And so he said all I had to do was pray the prayer. And of course, I was like, well, I could do that to myself. He didn't know the prayer. Um, so I never, I didn't want to go around his I guess it would have been his youth pastor. I didn't want to be around him. I just wanted to get the prayer so that I could be saved and go to heaven because guess what? I wanted to continue living the way that I was living just like he was continuing to living, to, to be in doing life the way he was. And so that was it. So I think the whole concept of what I'm telling you this morning is that the idea of on earth as it is in heaven 
it never really reached down into the depths where somebody who was ignorant of who Jesus is in a lot of ways and of the way of the church, understanding what that means to them. And I think that most of us are actually friends with a lot of people who are confused believers even. Many people are confused. We know people that we care deeply about that believe in Jesus, as I was believing in Jesus. Now, we believe in Jesus, and so they believe in Jesus, and we have a lot of commonality with them, but they're not necessarily associated with God's people. They're not necessarily attending church. They're not necessarily even reading their Bibles. They just seem to have bought into one of the two concepts I just mentioned, where they actually had the, uh, I guess, um, courage to come down and get up in front of everybody and be baptized in front of the congregation, or they prayed the prayer while they were at some campfire youth meeting, and they've just simply walked away from it. And here they are, they're thinking they're going to heaven. Now, before I get into our text, I'm giving you a little bit of tension here on purpose because we're going to read a warning passage. That's what we're going to read. It's a warning passage this morning. And so as I say this to you, what I want you to understand, if you don't hear anything else, God has grace while we have breath in our bodies for us, if we want to repent and turn to him, we will always receive God's grace. You all understand what I'm saying? You will always be forgiven because God loves you that much that whatever you have done or whatever you struggle with in your life, the Lord will always forgive you, okay? We need to make sure you understand that right up, right up front because I don't want people walking out of here more mixed up than what I was when I was younger, trying to understand what it takes to get to heaven and giving up because I didn't know what it took and I just gave up. I don't want people giving up on their faith in Jesus Christ. But there is a warning passage in this text. And so what we've been doing as we've been going through 1 Corinthians, we've been paying attention to certain themes that's been going on. You should be hearing them. I haven't read every verse in 1 Corinthians but you're getting the idea of what's going on. The Corinthian church is a troubled church. And it's, the, it's a first century church. What was unique about this church was that all of the spiritual gifts were operational. I would assume they're probably seeing miracles in the first century take place because the Spirit of God is working through them. Like the song we sang, not, not I, but Christ. He is working through them to bring forth miracles which would then become signs for people to believe that these are people who know the way to heaven. They know God. They are supposed to be living on earth as it is in heaven. But remember at the start, not only were they very gifted, at the start they were very divided in the introduction because there were some people who were saying, look, you're pretty cool, but you didn't get baptized by Paul. You were only baptized by Apollos. Remember that? Um, and, and that really isn't as good as the baptism I got. And sometimes in ministry, I will confess to you, um, those of you who are familiar with historical Wesleyan leadership, there are times I've, been, I've thought to myself, well, I'm glad I was ordained by Earl Wilson. We all do this, don't we? 
So it's a little bit of a spirit of division that takes place, and it was dividing that congregation. And so they even got to the place, because of that division, remember, they were special. They really believed they were special. In fact, they were so special partly because they believed they were so wise. They were so wise in the world. The world was seeping in to the church, right? We've been picking up on that. The way of the world, just instead of the church actually influencing the world, the world was influencing the church. And then the ultimate that stands out to me was the idea that they just believed, and you can go on down, I'll stop at verse 11 in chapter 6, you can read on down just a couple of verses and see what we're talking about, but they believed that they were so wise, they'd actually found a way to live the way that they saw fit and still go to heaven. It was because everything on the day of the Lord, and this is always in the background of 1 Corinthians, when Jesus is going to come again, because on the day of the Lord, what's going to happen, they said everything will burn up. Your physical body, everything's going to burn up. So if that be true, in their wisdom, they believe they could do whatever they want in their physical body because the only thing that was going to be saved was what we could not see, our spirit, our soul, all these things. And so we're armed with this information. And then last week we saw where somebody was living with their father's wife. Remember that? And it was being embraced by the Christians of that church. And Paul said, back up, y'all. There's no way that that is going to be allowed in God's kingdom. Not on earth as it is in heaven. Right? We're getting the idea. And so the theme has been, why not rather be wronged and rather be cheated? And you'll literally see that phrase today, for the sake of Jesus Christ. So we're in this theme, this mode, where you can't, where Paul is saying, because you believe in Jesus Christ and you've received him and you've seen some good things that God has done through you, you can't just live however you see fit and treat God and treat each other however you see fit. You can't do it. So let's start with verse one of chapter six with Paul. And this is what it says. If any of you have a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels how much more the things of this life. Therefore, if you, have a, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge and dispute between believers, but instead one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers? The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, 
nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So I'm just going to stop right there. So everything's on earth as it is in heaven. And the first thing I want you to see this morning is this, on earth as it is in heaven is possible because justice is found in church. So what Paul was saying, and he said, remember, and I give you, let me just back up. Remember at the intro what I said, we have seen a contrast this week in what's going on in Afghanistan compared to what's going on in the United States, as bad as the United States is, right? But we have been, we are a country that was influenced by a lot of the Judeo-Christian values found in God's word. But here comes a government to Afghanistan, what we might call ungodly, to administer their form of justice to the people in Afghanistan now. Are you all seeing this? So Paul is stunned that the people in Corinth are actually having disputes among them And because they are having disputes among them, what's happening is they feel like that they can't be, um, they can't be wrong, they can't be cheated, so they have to find justice, and they're going outside of the church to the ungodly. Now, who are the ungodly? Well, these are going to be the people who reject the lordship of Jesus Christ, for sure. These are going to be the people who don't believe in Jesus Christ. These are going to be the people who practice doing wrong on a daily basis to their neighbors because they have no love of God or love of their neighbors in their hearts. These are going to be the people who are selfish. And so Paul is saying, you have the nerve to take your dispute, which is trivial, and keep this in mind, trivial to, to in, in the grand scheme of things, outside of the church. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you out by asking rhetorical questions for your shame. You all realize that when Christians fight against each other, when Christians hate each other, when churches hate this church or that church, Any church that is called by the name of Jesus Christ that actually is right and orthodox, let me throw that in there. When we run each other down and have disputes with each other, do you know what the the writer of Hebrews says? He says, you are crucifying Jesus Christ publicly again. What Paul's concerned about is that if the Holy Spirit who washed and sanctified the believers of Corinth in that church, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside each one of those who have been washed and sanctified, then there should be justice in the church. You shouldn't have to go outside the church. You should have justice, and justice in this concept is going to be not just simply, you know, judging trials and having some type of um, courtroom experience. Justice is going to be doing right toward your God 
and toward your brother and sister in Jesus Christ. Justice is doing right, not just being called right, it's doing right. So the justice should be springing forth from the Holy Spirit who dwells in each one of us. And when we come together, what did we learn in a couple chapters ago? We learned that the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When we get together, this is where it's a sacred assembly. Because remember, if we're practicing on earth as it is in heaven, we are doing so because in the backdrop of what we've been reading is that the day of the Lord is coming. And I will tell you, I'm trying not to get into the Afghanistan stuff, but our hearts should be breaking for Christians in Afghanistan right now because if they're being martyred, which is probably what's happening, these are the ones who are standing there with Jesus according to the book of Revelation, and they are saying, how long, O Lord, will you delay justice? How long? So if the church is going to be a part of that day of the Lord, it's going to be because we are practicing on earth as it is in heaven. Because we can't, if we don't learn to rightly take care of our own business, how will we ever sit in some type of authority when Jesus comes back and deals with those who actually made martyrs of God's people? Those who did that, they will pay. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Those uh, those angels who are fallen, they will be judged. That influenced all of this stuff. All the spiritual warfare will be judged. But if we can't, because of the wisdom that God has given us, work things out amongst ourselves, then we are defeated. Let's look at the le- next thing I want you to see. On earth as it is in heaven is possible because love covers the missteps of other Christians. Now, this is amazing, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, has anybody else ever had to use God's grace before? Or am I the only one? I I, I mean, seriously. I mean, do you know how badly I need the grace of God in my life to this day? That's why I keep, that's why uh, at the start I said to you all, I said, look, make sure that you understand when we're talking about these warning passages, that you understand that God's grace is always and readily available because I don't know about you but even as a pastor I've had to ask for God's grace many times but you all understand something to get God's grace we give it remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount he said those who have mercy will receive mercy that's what he's saying and so when we think of what Paul is saying here something's happened within this church right in Corinth and he said somebody's done something wrong to somebody else. It could have been they cheated a Christian brother or sister or they stole from them. And I want you to hear something. This is important. Remember that word trivial? So in God's kingdom, those things that we think as human beings, because we're human, the church is both human and divine at the same time, those things that we think are just incorrigible or just unfathomable for people to do are actually trivial because they're trivial because in God's kingdom God loves us so when I was doing wrong to my God and my neighbors on a regular basis 
somehow the Lord loved me in spite of that, offered me grace, and for him to do that, he knew that it was something that could be restored, that I was doing wrong. It was something that could be replaced. It was a, these are trivial things, right? It's what's going on in churches all over America today. Sometimes people take advantage of each other with inside the church. And boy, you better believe somebody's upset then or maybe somebody cheats somebody or maybe somebody tells a, a rumor on somebody. But here's the thing, because I'm being changed on the inside and I'm being born again, I'm being changed and, and, and prayerfully I'm becoming more and more like Jesus Christ on a daily basis and I'm learning to die to myself. I am developing with the Holy Spirit's help this love in my heart for not only God, but his people who sometimes misstep, sometimes make those mistakes or those trespasses. We could call them sins where they sin against their brother or sister in Jesus Christ, but because of the love that God is giving me, I'm learning to overcome that and see past those things. You know, that's the thing. God is love, right? God is love. You ever wonder how he's so able to give us the grace that we need? It's because he loves us. He's already determined it. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll say this. You've heard me say this before. You know that I'm married, and Debbie and I, would you believe we've had arguments before? And would you believe that she wrongs me on a regular basis, right? And I, sometimes I wrong her back. I'll admit it. I'll go that far. But we certainly, because we love each other, the love that we have for one another, it covers those missteps. Y'all see that? Because if it doesn't, we're going to split if we, is what's going to happen. So it's the same way with Christian brothers and sisters. Honestly, I don't think this is being taught enough. This is something that many Christians are unaware of because remember what I said at the start, there are those out there who believe in Jesus, they love him, and they say they love him, but they treat their other brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ poorly or they might even have nothing to do with them, right? Love covers a multitude of miss missteps. Love covers a multitude of sin, doesn't it? That's literally what's gonna happen if we go all the way through this book, we're going to find love covers a multitude of sin. Because of the love that I have, I am able to naturally and instinctively, because of my change that is happening inside of me, being wrought by the Holy Spirit, I am instinctively able to just let it go. But keep in mind, justice is still important in the church. We let it go, but it doesn't mean you let somebody have their way. Because on earth as it is in heaven can't happen when humanity's having its way instead of God's way. Y'all follow along with what I'm saying? On earth as it is in heaven is an expectation of those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. I could go down lists, couldn't I? You all heard this stuff a million times. We could talk about, you know, maybe the carpet being changed, disputes over that. We could talk about anything. But it, it all comes back to we love each other. 
We love Jesus and we love each other. Let's look at the last thing I want you to see this morning, and it's this. On earth as it is in heaven is possible because Christians begin living with their inheritance. And let me explain to you the inheritance. Did you see what it says? It's the kingdom of God. It's not just that we're going to go to heaven and we're going to have Jesus with us. That's enough, yes, but Jesus, because of his kingship, because of his lordship, because he's going to be the one who is king in heaven, he is going to make it possible for us to have the way of life as it should be. So those who are martyred in Afghanistan right now, we hate it, but you know what's going to happen? They're going to be, they're transferring into a realm with Jesus now who is going to, they're going to experience life as it should be, not with what they just went through. That's why this on earth as it is in heaven, it's really God's kingdom already, but not yet. That's why it's so important. But this is where the warning comes in. Because remember what we said in the introduction, that you had people who were so wise in their own understanding, and the ways of the world were seeping into the church. The church was supposed to be influencing the world. It shouldn't be the other way around. But because this stuff is happening, you have the description of those who practice doing wrong, which is having sexual relations outside of the context of marriage, whether it's same sex, opposite sex, it doesn't matter. The context of marriage is what is important here. And in the context of marriage has been defined woman and a man. This is what God says. This is what Paul says. Then you also have those Christians who were saying they were uh, telling lies on each other, taking advantage of each other. All 10 of the 10 commandments are literally being broken by the church in, the, in Corinth. They are being drunkards. They are stealing from one another. They are greedy. They are withholding from one another. They are doing all of these things that actually bring injustice into the church. And all of these things are usually tied to idolatrous worship of other gods. And Paul says, don't be deceived. You can't continue to do wrong. Now, if you grew up in a persuasion where you were told no matter what you do, you're going to heaven, this creates a lot of tension for you this morning. And it should. It's supposed to. When you see a warning passage in Scripture, you better believe it's there to create tension in your life. But this is why I'm reminding you that this is what Paul said. These are the things you were, past tense. He says you don't, are no longer these things anymore. You don't take part in these things. These are the things you no longer do because you were washed, you were purified, you were sanctified, you were made holy. You no longer do these things. But if you're allowing your carnal nature to come to the forefront and put Jesus if you're crucifying him again with these lifestyles and these things that you do to each other, then like he said, you're already defeated. And it's not going to be on earth as it is in heaven. I suspect this is why many believers will say to you when we talk about these things, if you talk about them to others, they will say, 
well, nobody can do all of these things, pastor. No, that's why Jesus does it through you, right? Because your will, you got to get to here. Your will is probably only going to get you to here, right? God's grace brings you all the way where you got to be. That's why we have to have God's grace. And that's why the spirit of God dwells within us. He's empowering us because he's changing me to no longer desire the things of the world that the world offers. Paul says, the church says those are scornful things. Those are the things that we don't buy into. If we're going to live on earth as it is in heaven, I can tell you that it's going to take us submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because the alternative and certainly we didn't have this plan to see what we saw on TV in Afghanistan. What God would you rather serve? Jesus or the man-made God who inflicts terrible things on other people? I can tell you right now, I don't want any other God other than Jesus Christ. And you shouldn't either. And if Jesus Christ is enough, it shouldn't be that we could look at my friend who says, well, yeah, I took care of me going to heaven already, man. It's already taken care of. Look, you've got to understand, part of the ministry of us coming together is we're being saved together right now. It's happening. Which then puts a spin on that warning, doesn't it? To those who would look for justice outside of the church, Well, first of all, you're desiring a world outside of the church that, I know this sounds bad, when I say church, I'm talking capital C, I could say God's kingdom, however you want to look at it, but when you're looking for justice outside of God's kingdom, I can tell you right now, I mean, you're going to find a world that is crucifixion crazy right now, right? I mean, how many times do you see people on the news, have their lives destroyed by something they did when they were 12 years old. Because the world wants to destroy you. You're not going to find justice outside of God's people. You just aren't. Justice can only exist, true justice, through God's people who have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. I don't know about you, but I've done enough things that the world could have destroyed me long ago had it not been for the grace of Jesus Christ saving me. And he's still saving me. Don't fall down that road. Your justice should be found here. Now remember, the key to on earth as it is in heaven is not my will, but your will be done, right? This is the key to it. If you're somebody this morning that is annoyed with maybe Christian brothers and sisters, whether in this church or another church. Maybe you're annoyed by other churches. Who knows what's going on? But I will tell you this, your love for God's people should be, of the, should be paramount in your life. Your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ, it should always cover the wrong that they may do or not do. And maybe it keeps you from doing wrong to them. But you should have love in your heart for your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Because those who don't 
have the world in their heart and not the spirit. If you're somebody this morning that is thinking, Pastor, we're not going to be able to do any of these things until Jesus returns, I'm reminded about why Dr. Dallas, I'm tongue-tied, Dr. Dallas Wheeler, that's a tongue twister, say that five times. We are literally practicing for heaven right now with each other. What are you going to take to heaven with you? Your love for yourself or your love for God and others? Well, if it's going to be on earth as it is in heaven, and it's going to be what they're doing in heaven, the people who are in heaven didn't take their love for themselves to heaven. Let God change you. Let him help you. I always think to myself, well, Scott, you've gone too far this time. I always think that. But you all read it with me, amen? Do you see why going chapter by chapter sometimes is beneficial? Because we can't sidestep difficult issues. We have to be forced to confront them. And we have to recognize what the Lord is saying. What if all the churches and all of the believers that we know started being mindful of how important it is that we live our lives within the church context and in our home context, and then it spills out into our community within the context of on earth as it is in heaven. My hope is you won't see people wanting to run to the world so that they can find the comfort that they need or so that they can have someone who cares about them that they think cares about them. My hope is, is that when we Christians begin to take that very seriously and live on earth as it is in heaven, that people would see this who do not know Jesus Christ and they wouldn't be concerned like I was, how am I ever going to get from the back of the church up to the front of the church so I can get into that water because I'm going to be loved into it by my brothers and sisters in Christ. People will turn their lives around. So with all heads bowed and eyes closed, this morning if you're dealing with trivial issues about someone in your life who is a believer, ask God to help you let it go. Just forget it. Now, if they are doing something wrong, ask God to give you the strength to lovingly confront them and say, look, this isn't the way those who follow Jesus Christ do. If you're not living in God's kingdom right now on a daily basis, ask God to help you to become intentional What you take and learn from the Word of God should be incorporated into your life ASAP. Not saying you're going to be perfect, but we, sure, we certainly should have effort. 
Let's pray. Father, we come before you now. We're so grateful for your word. We're grateful for the love that you have for us. And Lord, I'm grateful that, Lord, that you've given me grace. You've given us all grace. And Lord, I, I pray that you'd help me to always distribute it. Help me to do a better job, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to do a better job. Help all your people do a better job. And Father, I pray if there's anybody within the sound of my voice struggling over anything I've said, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would persuade them to read it for themselves and to wrestle with it with you, Lord. Because at the end of the day, that's where it's going to come. It's going to come from you, not, not from me. It's going to come through you speaking to your people directly through your word. I pray that you keep us safe and go with us now. Bring us back again safely Wednesday and Sunday. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen.